The following audio is brought to you by Summerside Community Church in London, Ontario. For more information on Summerside, visit us online at www.summersidechurch.ca. Good evening. I invite you to stand with us. We're going to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
I want to just welcome you to this uh, great tradition, right? To have, be able to come together, sing Christmas carols, remember the Christmas story and what God has done for us. And uh, I want you to just uh, hope, that, hope that you are, are not just entertained, but that you are, are consciously thinking about what this means. And that's, that's our challenge for you tonight. That's my challenge. My name is Mark Cuthbert. For those of you that may not know me, I'm the interim lead pastor at Summerside. And we're glad that you could be here. Throughout this Christmas season, we have been uh, looking at a prophecy from Isaiah, where Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, gives this prophecy about a baby that's going to be born, who is going to be a king, and he is going to be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And tonight being Christmas Eve, we're going to be dealing with the fourth title, and so we're going to be lighting the, the last candle, which represents Christ, the biggest candle, and um, we're going to be thinking about the theme. What does it mean for Jesus to be the Prince of Peace? You know, the Hebrew word for peace is the word that Jewish people use to greet one another. It's the word shalom. And that word is not just talking about that the war, a war is over. You know, we think about peace while there's no fighting. It's actually more than that. The Hebrew word has the idea of, of this whole life, this uh, life that's prosperous, a life that's flourishing, life the way God intended it to be in the first place. We want to think about what does it mean for Jesus to be the prince of peace? You know, we think about a prince in our day as somebody who's waiting to become a king. But back in those days, a prince was sometimes the captain of, a, of an army, and he would fight. And so here we have this image of Jesus who is fighting for peace. And I, tonight, I want to take you through uh, just some thoughts about what it means for Jesus to be our Prince of Peace and why we need him to be our Prince of Peace this Christmas season. Let's stand as we sing about him and as we worship him together. Hear God's word from Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, concerning Jesus. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. I want you to join us as we sing together.
Thank you. Well, thank you, worship team, for that. Well, when we read the Bible, the first thing that we find out is that God creates this perfect world where they are experiencing shalom, the sense of peace, the sense of fullness, the sense of perfection. But it doesn't take long before God tells them, gives them one simple rule, 
And we, most of you know the story, that one simple rule was don't eat from the one tree because God was giving them a choice of whether they were going to obey him or not, and they chose to disobey him. And as a result of that disobedience, the world is in a mess. And I don't think I have to convince you that our world is in a mess. But there are four ways, at least four ways in which we can think that things really got messed up. Because the first thing that it did is it destroyed the relationship that Adam and Eve had with, with God. And what that brought about was the curse of sin. The curse of sin was what God had said, and the, we're going to put the verse up for you here. God said in Genesis 3 that you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. That's the curse of sin. And every human being born in this, in this world ends up dying. And that is the result of sin that entered into the perfect world that God had created. That's the curse of sin that came as a result of destroying the relationship between God and people. But it wasn't just that relationship that was destroyed. It was also the relationship that Adam and Eve had with themselves. Because as a result of disobeying, disobeying God, they also experienced a confused identity. Because God had said, I have created you. I am your Lord. I am your master. You need to obey me. And they said, no. I think we will decide what we want to do. I, we will choose what is right and what is wrong. And they, obey, they listened to the lie of Satan. Satan said, when you eat from it, talking about this fruit that they weren't supposed to eat, he said, when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. He says, don't, don't let God determine what your identity is. You determine your own identity. You decide who you want to be. You determine your future. And they said, you know what? I don't want to listen to God. I'm going to go my own way. And they ended up with a confused identity, understanding, misunderstanding who they were and how God created them. But there was another problem that came in, and that was a problem with people, between people. And as a result of the sin that entered the world, now there's a problem between people. And we have this selfish heart. Do you, know, do you realize that all the fights that take place, some of them happening at Christmas time, the wars that are going on in our world, you know, the whole Russia-Ukraine thing, comes from a selfish heart. Somebody wants something, and they will do whatever they can to get it. And that causes fights, problems. And James, one of Jesus' disciples, said, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? You want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous and of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Isn't that a description of what goes on in our world? People fighting to get their own way, to get what they want, and it causes all kinds of problems. It comes from a selfish heart. So here we have this problem with God. We have a problem with ourselves. We have a problem with each other. But that's not the end of it because there is a bigger problem too that we all struggle with and that's a problem with all of creation. Do you realize that all of creation has come under a curse because of sin? In God said to, uh, to Adam and Eve after they sinned, he said, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. And most of you today are thinking, oh, Christmas, I get a break from work. 
right? Because work is a pain. It's a struggle. It's difficulty. And in Romans chapter 8, we read that Paul, looking back, and he says, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. God said, because Adam and Eve were, were placed as the king and the queen, essentially, over creation, they were supposed to rule over creation, and they blew it, they have brought the curse on this whole earth. That's why we have storms that cause all kinds of problems. That's why we have a hard time producing enough food. That's why we have enough t- hard time getting enough energy. Because this world is, is suffering under the curse. It's not designed, it's not living the, functioning the way God designed it. But there is some hope. And what we need is we need somebody that's going to come to solve these problems. But that's the good news of Christmas. Because Christmas is all about Jesus coming as the Prince of Peace, to address these issues. That's why we sing. And that's why we sing in the Christmas carols this anticipation, looking forward to to Jesus coming. In the Old Testament, they were waiting for him to come. And that's why several of the Christmas carols have that theme in them, where we're longing for Jesus. And today, even though he has come, we're longing for him to come back to bring about an end to all the struggles that we are facing. So let's stand together and sing about that longing that we have. Hear the word of the Lord. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life.
Well, when Jesus came, he didn't just happen to be somebody who was born and grew up to be somebody really famous like people today. You know, they, somebody, you have to wait until somebody grows up to see what kind of gifts and abilities they have and decide whether they're going to do anything significant in life. No, the unique thing about Jesus was that he was sent from God to deal with the problems that people had created in the first place. He came to earth specifically to address the problem that people had created with God, the problem they had with themselves, their understanding of themselves, the problem they had with one another, and reversing the the curse on the whole earth. So when we think about Jesus coming, he came to deal with the curse of sin. And the verse, one of the verses that talk about that is in Galatians chapter 3. We read that Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoings. He took upon himself the curse that you and I deserve to have. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. When Jesus died on the cross, we're told he took the curse of God for sin. He died taking your sin and my sin if we put our faith in him and trust him to do that for us. He took the curse of sin. And now as a result of that, rather than being under the curse, we have a new freedom that he offers to us. The freedom of being not under the curse, not having to face death as this ultimate horrible thing, but recognizing that death will be a transition into a new life. So he took the curse of sin so that we could have a new freedom. But he also took the curse that we had with the problem of our identity because he came with a unique identity. He knew who he was. He came from the Father. And he offers to us a new identity. In fact, in the Gospel of John, it says, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Instead of being rebels against God, people that are defining their, own, defining their own way, defining what they want to be, they're people that restore their identity with God by becoming one of his children. So basically, instead of a confused identity, Jesus comes along and he offers us a new identity. And we read in Ephesians, God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You see, our new identity is not something we have to discover ourselves. It's found in the fact that through faith in Jesus, we become one with him. Our lives become, in some mysterious way that only God can do, we become one with Jesus, and we're raised with Christ. We're one with him so that his perfect life becomes our perfect life. That's why We can look forward to going to heaven and being sinless in heaven because our sin was taken by Christ. His perfect record is our record now because we are united with him. And that seems like a weird thing, but that's that's the way God designed it. So not only did Jesus come to restore the relationship with with God, but to to give us a new identity, he also came to deal with the problem of our selfish hearts because he came... And he was not selfish. He preached a love. He preached that we would be able to live in such a way that that our hearts could be different. And in Ezekiel, we have this prophecy where long before, like around the time of Isaiah, the, the prophet was saying, 
God was saying, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out of your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And so God takes away our selfish heart and gives us a new heart. In fact, we're told that when Jesus was here, he said, you need to be born again. You can, through faith in me, you can receive new life, which gives you a new heart and gives you a new life. And it's described, Jesus describes it as being born again, receiving this new life. So rather than being under the curse of sin, rather than having this mixed up identity, we have a new identity because we have a new heart. And you know, in the end, we still have this problem with the curse on creation. But one of the amazing things is that because Jesus came, he dealt with the curse on creation. And we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone. And we have the privilege of being a part of the new creation. We are a part of this new creation, which becomes the new heavens and the new earth that Peter talks about. In keeping with this promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So here we have Jesus comes. He restores the relationship that we that need to be restored with God. The curse is removed. He restores our understanding of ourselves. Rather than trying to define ourselves by looking into ourselves, he defines us. We're defined by a relationship with God and what he said. And he takes away our sinful, selfish hearts. Gives us a new heart. A heart that learns to love others the way God loves us. A heart that learns to experience peace, the kind of peace that he is giving us. That shalom, that fullness of of life. And we look forward to the new creation. That's why we worship. That's why we celebrate. And when you came in, you got a candle. And I want to encourage you to, to take that candle now. And, and there's, a, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians that talks about the importance of light. It says, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness. And that was that creation. He said, let there be light. And there was light. That same God has made his light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Christ. It's like God, the light that was was diminished because of sin, when sin entered the world and messed things up, God is restoring that, and that comes through Christ. And so when we celebrate Christmas, we have this last candle which represents Christ. And from this one candle, we're going to, I'm going to light. So I'm going to take the light from that candle. And I want to encourage you to move, you know, this cover is to actually keep the wax from dripping. So I want you to move your candle so that it's, uh, you know, it's not, uh, not dripping. And when you, I, I'm going to start passing around the light. And when you did it, you, you need to dip your candle. If your candle is lit, just hold it up. Dip yours in, and you will be able to get light. And what we want to do is we want to share the light from that one candle with everybody in the room. So once you get it, you can pass it on to somebody else and then pass it down, down your aisle. And I want to encourage you to think about what that means. I want you to encourage you to think about what it means to receive the light. To recognize that from this one light, we all learn to experience light and have his light.
go to the back here and we'll Okay, does everybody have uh, some light? Now think about that. From one light, in the same way, just as God sent Jesus as the light of the world, his light is able to give each one of us new life that's pictured as light. And as you're holding that light, I want to challenge you to think about, does Jesus, has Jesus become your Prince of Peace? Have you received his light? Has he become your peace, the one that restored your, the relationship that you have with, with the Father? The one who has changed your identity, the one who has changed your heart, the one that has given you hope because you can look forward to a new eternity. As we sing these final songs, I want to encourage you to think about your own relationship with the Prince of Peace and think about what it means so that we too can understand the full meaning of the fact that Jesus has come as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Let's stand together as we sing.
for coming, and I'm going to encourage you to blow out your candle now. That does not have any symbolism to it, okay, in terms of blowing out the candle because the lights are on. But let me, uh, let, let me just mention two things. I had a couple of people ask uh, if we're taking up an offering. We aren't obviously not taking up an offering tonight, but if you want to participate in our year-end, uh, we have a year-end project where we're Anything we receive beyond our budget, we're going to give to a need in Lebanon. You can leave it there. They're offering boxes in the back by the doors. You can leave an offering there if you're interested in doing that. Um, but let me challenge you that if you're thinking, if, if maybe this is new to you and you say, you know what, I, I need to learn more, we would be glad to meet with you. Give the church a call. Send an email to the church. Give us a call and we'll, we'll be in touch with you. I'd be glad to meet with you for coffee just to talk some more about what Jesus has done in coming and what he wants to do for you. Let me pray and then we will be dismissed. Our Father, what a wonderful time of year to think about what you have done for us by sending Jesus as our Prince of Peace. Thank you that we could celebrate him tonight. Thank you that we, through, through him we have hope. We have a future. And we have our sins that can be forgiven. I pray, Father, that each one of us would think carefully about what it means to have a relationship with the one who created us and to have that relationship with, restored through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. May you help each one of us, Father, to just enjoy this Christmas season. But help us not to forget that it's all because of our Prince of Peace who came to restore what was messed up with creation. Thank you for allowing us to be here tonight, and I pray your blessing on each one of us as we leave tonight and continue to celebrate with our families or whatever, however that may be. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.